0: Welcome to the Lean Blog podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 275 of the podcast for February 8th, 2017. My guest today is Katie Anderson, following up on her last appearance in episode 233. You can find that by going to leanblog.org slash 233. When we talked in October 2015, she was living in Japan full-time, taking a deep dive into the culture and learning a lot about lean and Toyota. So she's been back home in California for a while now and shares some of her more recent reflections on her time there, what she learned, and what she continued to learn. At the end of the episode, Katie talks about uh, a giveaway that she's running over on her website. She's giving away a Daruma, which is a Japanese doll that um, has two blank eyes. You you fill in one of the eyes when you then set a goal um, or an intention. You fill in the other eye when you achieve it. So that's kind of uh, kind of a cool thing to get. She's also giving away a copy of my book Lean Hospitals. And even if you visit her website and um, you don't win uh, that giveaway, you'll still be able to get a copy of uh, Katie's top ten lessons from um, her mentor Mr. Yoshino about lean thinking and leadership. So you can go uh, to www.kbjanderson.com mark to learn more and to enter. You can also find a link to that at leanblog.org 275. Um, Katie's also running a workshop in March before the annual LEI Lean Transformation Summit, a workshop titled Coaching for Development, Structured Coaching Using A3 Thinking. So I hope you'll Um, go online, uh, check that out. I hope you enjoy the discussion we have here um, again with Katie Anderson. Katie, hi. Thanks for coming back, being a guest again on the podcast.
1: Thanks, Mark. It's great to talk to you again.
0: So, you know, maybe people listening heard uh, the first episode when you were a guest. It was episode 233 from uh, just over a year ago, but maybe if people haven't heard that, can you sort of recap a little bit about um, your professional background and, and how it was that you ended up uh, with the opportunity to live in Japan?
1: Yeah, great. And actually the first podcast we did, I was sitting in my, my office in our apartment in Tokyo and now I'm back in California, so mm-hmm. I've going to traverse the world mm-hmm. and come back. So I'm based in California and have been a lean coach and consultant for over 10 years now, primarily in healthcare. Um, was working as an internal lean leader for two different healthcare organizations before we moved to Japan, uh, and then had started my own consulting practice based on lean coaching and consulting. I also do some, I teach some courses for Catalysis, which was formerly the Theta Care Center for Healthcare Value, and now I'm teaching with uh, the Lean Enterprise Institute as well. And how we got to go to Japan was for my husband's job. It was. Just almost two years ago, exactly. So right after the new year in 2015, we moved to Japan. We'd known about it for about six months before, and I was really excited from a professional standpoint as well as a personal one, mm-hmm. because what greater opportunity to go and learn Lean from the source and uh, more deeply enrich myself from uh, professional learning. And when I was out in Japan, for we we, had, we knew it was about 18 months that we'd be there, and that was it was pretty spot on accurate we were there for exactly 18 months i went out and did i learned a lot and connected with many people and went out to many different organizations and used that opportunity not only for personal learning but also started writing my blog and sharing that learning with other people
0: yeah and so you know you've been back a little bit now i mean you know in the first podcast you you shared some of what you were experiencing, uh, the the visits, the networking, uh, what you were doing. Um, now that you've been back for a little while and, and had some time to reflect, uh, what what are some of the, the first kind of you know uh, additional reflections that come to mind?
1: So we've been back about six months now, and I'd say my the reflections I have are more they're not different from what I had after the first six months. They're just more deeply enriched from having more experiences. The last six months that we were living in Japan, I had had uh, accelerated opportunities for going out to go see and connecting with people. And so the experiences I have just confirmed some of the initial experiences and observations I was making mm-hmm. around not only Japanese culture, but around uh, what we consider, lean thinking and practice in the Western world. I, and I just wrote an article for the Lean, sorry, the Planet Lean, based on some of those, those reactions and experiences that I had. Yeah. And for me, it was one of, the, one of the biggest takeaways, and maybe it was assumptions I and many other people have about Japan being much more lean thinking and in totality than it actually is. Lean, sorry, lean culture or lean thinking is not the same as Japanese culture and Japanese thinking. Although there are many, there are some things that are common and make uh, you know make the Toyota production system probably easier. There are many cultural traits or human traits in Japan that actually seem to run counter to what we might consider lean thinking. I thought that was very interesting as a lean practitioner.
0: Yeah, so let, let's kind of delve into that a little bit. And I'll link to the article um, for people to go to the webpage for the episode that I announced in the uh, introduction. Um, the, the article's titled, If You Think Lean Is Inherently Japanese, Think Again. Um, so you, cultural traits that support lean, what, what are some of the things that make it, I guess, if you will, easier, even if it's never easy or never perfectly uh it's not the default in, in Japanese right. organizations, right?
1: No, I think. And what I, a quote that really stood out for me when I went to the co- Toyota Kyushu plant down on on the island of Kyushu was something. Don't remember exactly what it said, but that the people at the Toyota plant were still having a hard time, you know, with the new processes that Ono was putting in place. So you know, change was hard for them too, and it shows too. It wasn't like everything was. Uh, lean practice or TPS there as well. But some cultural traits that I it seems like probably support lean thinking and practice um, are, are a few that I called out in the article. And one is the concept of kata in everyday life. So routines and practice of the way you do things is there. there is kata, there are kata for everything in Japan from exchanging your business cards to how a sumo match is uh, conducted, to who sits where at a business meeting or in a taxi, and the deep level of apprenticeship to learn the kata, uh, the craftsmanship culture that exists out there. And I think some of those traits or uh, practices in the culture perhaps lend themselves to following standard work and being more open and receptive to having, having these standards and kata that they practice in a work environment as well. So that was one thing. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah,
0: well, I think, and, and and if I remember right from some of our um, chats uh, outside of podcasts, um, had you just recently, fairly recently, seen the movie Jiro Dreams of Sushi?
1: Yes. I. Well, I'd seen it many, actually right before we moved to Japan, I, we watched it, but I saw it again. I had the opportunity to go out to Japan just a few months ago for a wedding from a, some friends of ours, actually a Shinto wedding, which was a fabulous experience. And you, I think, had posted that you just rewatched the movie, and so I decided to download it for my for my journey as well. And it was really interesting to see it again now through a different, you know, having different context and experience of having lived in Japan. Yeah,
0: because when when you talked uh, you know, a minute ago about these traits of you know kata routine, striving for perfection, that's. The story of, of, of the movie and of Jiro and and his mm. his work and commitment and his in his restaurant, right?
1: That's it's amazing. And you know, you think of the older son; he is still the apprentice. Now that it's probably too long, but you, you think of the same that same practice of people learning and spending many many years under a sensei, uh, and and having to t- break things down into small little steps learn how to do it and how to, to be able to really be on their own as, you know, a sushi maker, a sushi chef, or, you know, as a leader. And that's where, I think Toyota had an interesting, what they've been able to do is take something that might be a more limiting cultural trait, which is a real reliance on hierarchy and people looking at, you know, up at the leader for, give me the answers and sort of, not advocating some of the thinking around what to do, just looking at the leader for all the answers. And they've really changed that and brought in the apprenticeship model about how can the leader be a coach and teacher for the people working with them and below them and sort of use the hierarchy in a positive way.
0: Hmm. And so what are some of the other traits um, that, you know, that make it easier, I guess, in Japan?
1: Well, one of the, you know, certainly not all of Japan is Fives by any means, and we can talk about that in a little in a little bit, but there's a there's a real cultural preference for cleanliness and order. I have never been to a cleaner city than Tokyo. It's amazing. Everything runs on time. everything's very clean. And children are taught this, um, it's you know, it's almost a kata at school where they spend twenty to thirty minutes at the end of every day cleaning their classrooms, cleaning the bathrooms, learning the, uh, the rigor and the routine of what it means to clean and participate in keeping their community clean. Uh, and I think that also goes into just the same traits that we talked about before, like a real commitment to whatever they're doing and, and learning that. And then there's also some, you know, just experiences around listening and patience. I think the the Japanese have a much greater, uh, oh, I, they're they're just more comfortable with long pauses and silence in conversation, and uh, as an American, and especially an extroverted American. This is definitely, the pauses in conversation would make me anxious. But it was also a good good opportunity. I, I realized how much I wanted to just jump in and sort of fill the space with my own talking. And uh, learning to sit in silence has always has been something that I've been working on for uh, a few years now to be a more effective coach and leader personally. And it was just a good reminder, too, about uh, being okay to sit in silence and that's okay and not to just jump in and, and start talking.
0: So I will jump in and start talking instead okay. of leaving you in an uncomfortable That's fine. silence. Thank there. you. Thank you. That would be a little as, <laughs> as, as a, a, as a, fun for our listeners. As a, a podcast host or a webinar moderator, it's always a balance. If you want to be listening to what your guest is saying, but you also do sort of have to think about what you're going to say or ask yes, next. And for sure. I don't know if I'm always good at that. If there is a long, awkward pause, I edit those out. That's, uh, but... Um, let's talk about some of the flip side, maybe some of the ways that the Toyota way, the Toyota production system lean is not always just naturally occurring in, in Japanese businesses. What are some of the cultural traits that, um, that, that make it a challenge uh, and Mm. make it less than perfectly easy to, uh, to embrace this? Or, or, you know, what are some of the reasons why organizations, even Toyota would struggle with elements of this approach?
1: Mm. One of the things I already touched on was the sense of a hierarchy and a command and control leadership. Sort of typical Japanese businesses are not lean thinking, and you know people look to the leader to have the answer and and sort of uh, it's, it's almost follow follow whatever is happening or the leader says. What really is, I think is tied strongly to this is this or the limiting traits are this fear of failure and rigid, rigidly following rules. So failure is not seen as okay. You know, you don't want you want to be perfect. You want to have your what's outwardly projected to be uh, to be perfect, and so people are less willing to take risks. And this is cited it, many times when, when I went to conferences or other events where people are talking about how can Japan as a whole become more innovative uh, across the board, and how more startups can can. Uh, flourish in Japan, and it goes back to a lot of this fear of failure and not wanting to take risks. And and tied to that, too, is also following the rules. You know, what was laid out, not necessarily thinking outside the box, you know, this is what, you know, how we're supposed to do things, and not challenging the status quo that, you know, well, we've always done it this way, so we'll, we, always, we should just keep doing it that same way. I saw a few organizations who really, maybe you know, if we, when you go and see them, they're not exhibiting all aspects of lean practice. You know, maybe you really need to work on their 5S or their flow, but we're really trying to harness people's, uh, or, or have some countermeasures against these, these traits of fear of failure and following the rules. And I think I talked about this org- one organization I went to last, in the last podcast, but this, uh, this organization that makes uh, or widgets for electricians, they, their company motto is "The only rule is no rules. They hmm. do this because I really want people to think outside of the box and not feel constrained by um, you know what they feel like they're supposed to do. And they've captured you know tremendous market share and actually have really been driving innovation uh, to create value for their customers.
0: Well, it's right, it's just on, on that topic I mean I'm, I'm reminded the first time I went to Japan with Kaizen Institute, one of uh, the people who was there sort of assisting and as a guide was, um, relatively young engineer. He might've been about 30. He had worked at Honda, um, for a number of years and, and he compared Honda and Toyota as much as you can generalize. He said, um, you know, Toyota hired, uh, people with better grades than Honda did. And the people working at Honda, he used the word were, were a little bit naughty. And oh. <laughs> what he meant was, I think people who were a little bit more, willing to take risks mm. and not necessarily um just you know always try to fit in and um you know that yeah you know, that was just you know a good reminder that you know you can't generalize about quote unquote japanese companies even even those in the auto industry that might share a lot of the same shop floor practices might have different a different type of organizational culture that they're trying to build
1: absolutely and you know what if you're wanting to go see, quote-unquote, lean in action in Japan, there isn't a term, lean. It's not really, it, that, that's a Western construct. And so you go out to different organizations who are practicing different elements of what we might consider TPA, having originated from the Toyota production system or some things that they've developed themselves. But it isn't this uh, whole focus on let's go lean like, it is in here in the western world something else i thought was really and i've been reflecting on lately is that you know when when Teachi ono and other toyota leaders were starting to bring in what is now known as the toyota production system and the toyota way they were really just dealing with the, tr- the human traits and they could be cultural traits or just specific human traits that they saw in front of them that were um, barriers to innovation and to problem solving thinking you know that was their current condition to improve but uh, you know these same principles around TPS are really the best of the west western management thinking and japanese management thinking combined and we all have different limiting cultural and human traits that we need to uh, overcome in towards in in service of delivering better value to our customers and or in healthcare to our patients. And so it's not necessarily Japan that's that's perfect on this or the Western the things that Western world things that are challenging for Japanese maybe more more easy for say someone in the U.S. and and vice versa. I
0: want to kind of go, go back a little bit where you're talking about um, innovation, fear of failure, mm-hmm. um, uh, did you get any exposure or talk to anybody in Japan um, involved in, in startups or, or anybody there uh, embracing or, or learning about um, the lean startup methodology for Eric Reese, where they, they, they talk about the idea of, you know, fail early, fail often, you know, that you, um, you know, you, you fail your way um, and, and, and three different cycles and learning, of course, you know, fail and learn and, iterate and eventually get there as opposed to having, you know, a perfect solution. Um, did, did you, I, I wonder how that would play in Japan within the startup scene?
1: So I wasn't as connected to the startup scene, although I did go to a conference on biotech startups last year. There wasn't a focus on, say, the lean startup per se, but there was discussion around how do we get around some of these cultural barriers? How do we Um, create an ecosystem here in Japan that's more conducive to failing and trying and learning. So not using sort of the terms that we might be more familiar with here, but but still talking about the same concepts. Um, And I'm sure that there are more startups who are really trying to do that. And I see the Japanese culture is starting to shift and change uh, as it's gotten more international and more, uh, there are more startups happening, and you know, just the international thinking culture. And so, I imagine some of these things that we both uh, that embrace about Japan, but also some of the things that have been more limiting for them in terms of innovation or uh, success. Those are they're going to start shifting.
0: So let's talk a little bit also about. Um... You know, you know, there's different cultural aspects of lean, you know, organizations in the U.S. Um, and I think, you know, other, other countries have been talking more about the, you know, the dual pillars of the Toyota way, not just mm. continuous improvement, but respect for people. What does that mean to be more respectful? Um, can, can I talk about what you learned or saw or talked to people about in Japan in regards to the idea of, of respect? Uh, is that uh, where, where does that fall in, in terms of you know, generalizing about Japanese organizations and what that means uh, for for lean?
1: It's a great question mark, and I've been reflecting on a lot of these organizations that I went to, who you know, on part of a you know quote unquote lean study tour or trip, where some of the production principles you might not be seeing, but what was universal across all of them. Was the pillar of respect for people, and how do you engage people in problem solving? How do you develop people, and not just for, not just employees, but how do you deliver good for the community? And I feel like this emphasis really on uh, people development and uh, and creating a culture of respect where it means everyone is supported and engaged and not constrained is one that we not, don't necessarily see as much focus on in the U.S. or you know, potentially other, other countries as well. We've you know gone more towards the tools side of the Toyota production system, and I think we'd be better served to really get back to that second pillar, too, of like really understanding more deeply for us what does respect and teamwork mean, and how do we really engage people and not have it feel like uh, it's something being done to them.
0: Yeah, and... So let's talk a little bit more about um, community. Um, you know, if you go to the Toyota plant in San Antonio, in their visitor center, they they know people come not just to see how trucks are built, but they're there to learn about the Toyota production system and, and lean. And so, in their visitor center, as they're explaining and you know illustrating you know these different concepts and, and terminology, um, there there's a section about respect for people. I'm trying to remember if they use the term respect for people or respect for humanity? Because you hear both uh, both phrases. But but the one thing that stands out though is they emphasize you know that it doesn't just mean respect for employees. And and I think a lot of times that's the conversation that I hear uh, in healthcare in the US. And like mm. yeah, that's a part of it. Yeah. But you know Toyota talks about respect for the environment, respect for yeah. the community, respect for suppliers. And they have little displays, you know, talking about um what that means, uh, including you know, trying working toward becoming a zero landfill uh, facility. Um, so I, I think there, there's at least as illustrated in San Antonio, a broader definition of, uh, of of respect toward all people. I guess.
1: I I would say that I experienced the same thing in organizations I went to in Japan. Of course, Toyota for sure, but these other even smaller organizations out in the communities that they're really talking about, we want to be there to respect our employees and getting them engaged. We also want to provide them with employment and in, in that way we're creating a better community. We also want to be good for the environment. And how do we, you know, how do we improve our processes, so whether we're contributing for a better environment, how do we give uh, you know small things that might add joy or you know that we might consider customer service for the employees and their families create parks around our you know our company or have places where the you know the, the families can come so there's this real sense of real connecting with people the community and doing good you know, Kaizen comes from the word, the meanings change and then for the better. Mm-hmm. And they don't see that just as processes, but sort of change for the better for really all of humanity, as you said.
0: Yeah, and, and that's, uh, I mean, that's a really high-minded goal. I mean, there's, you know, you're, you're in California. I don't know, have, you, have you seen the show Silicon Valley? Yes. From HBO and this, you know, this cliche of, you know, all these startups Saying you know, our our mission is to make the world a better place, and like, it seemed like you know most of them probably don't mean that, and they couldn't yes. possibly accomplish that. But you know, there's sort of this expectation that you at least you have to say it. Um, but I mean I think it's interesting you know uh, you know Toyota talks about uh, their their role in society. Um, and, and they, they seem to take that very seriously. In, in, in San Antonio, that means you know, providing and protecting jobs. Um, you know, it means you know, working toward technologies that um, are, are better for the environment. Um, I, mean, I think it's, it's, uh, it's admirable. And I think a lot of companies get caught up in saying, oh, that, that's irrelevant. Yeah, that sounds nice. And we check the box and have a corporate responsibility statement. But we're really out to maximize shareholder value. You know, yeah, this is what it really comes down to. And, you know, I think Toyota shows you, you can have both. Mm-hmm. They've obviously been very successful in, in yeah. so many financial measures.
1: Well, Toy- if you think about Toyota in Japan, you know, there's in Toyota City. And so, so many people are connected to Toyota. And this is, a lot of these companies are out in, you know, rural areas, just like Toyota City is as well. And so many people who, are involved in the the organization are also in the community as well, and so I think there's this deeper connection to to community into place. I also heard a lot. This word was brought up many times at several different organizations, but the concept of revitalization, and we we practice these uh, principles to revitalize our industry, to revitalize our community, which was also meant you know, bringing in jobs and money back to the community. We're here to revitalize our people's spirits, mm. uh, potentially who were, if they were out of work or they were doing mundane jobs previously, they want to create this uh, positive energy. And it wasn't just in rural areas I heard this word applied, but in you know a Tokyo ward office, like a government office, we're here to revitalize people. And I, I thought it was a really interesting concept because I never had heard the word revitalize in relation to lean practices um, in the U.S.
0: Well, I, I think that's a great word, and, and, and there's so much opportunity on uh, the need, I mean, I think of healthcare organizations where morale has really suffered. Um, you know, I, I did a podcast uh, with, with Paul Deschamps and, and Diane Shannon about burnout among physicians, yeah. and, and that's not just a problem. With doctors, there, there is a lot of need for workplace revitalization to, mm, to yes. engage people and, and start creating some some positive vibes, for lack of a better way of saying it, when people feel just kind of beaten down, um, trying to turn that can can be difficult. I, I think that's where Kaizen and getting people participating in, in small improvements, trying to create an environment where they can they feel safe to speak up that, you know, that that can start that process.
1: Right. And it gets I mean, that, ta- that concept of revitalization is linked so tightly with respect for people and respect for humanity.
0: So uh, you, you mentioned, you know, communities and, and, and place. So we we're, we were going to talk about one particular community that you had a chance to visit um, after our uh, podcast before you left Japan. Tell us about and, and I still I, I found it hard to believe there is a place called, or labels itself, the 5S City.
1: Tell us yes. about that. So I heard about, this. it's a town called Ashkaga, and it's about an hour north northwest, I think, of Tokyo. And I'd heard about it within the first six months of arriving in Japan, and I really wanted to go visit. And a colleague of mine who has connections there offered to co-lead a trip there with me, and I was so excited, we went in May. And they also, the town does do every other year a 5S summit, which they just had last month, which I unfortunately was not able to go, but if anyone's able to go in two years from now, it will probably be very interesting, and I'm hoping to get there myself. But they this is a town called Oshkaga, and this, they really use the concept of 5S for revitalization. A few uh, prominent organizations probably, I think it was about 15 years ago, were seeing, they were using 5S principles in their own organizations and saw tremendous success with how it engaged people in in doing the work and making improvements. And side note, my observation is it's not just 5S that they're talking about. They're really talking about Kaizen, using the, but driving with the 5S principles, but but using people to engage um their creativity and problem solving across the organizations. So they brought they came together with the town leadership and developed what they call the 5s school as a way to teach other organizations initially within the town how to uh, implement 5s. And then now they've expanded that to teach other organizations across the country. And I guess if you're um, international as well and can speak Japanese to come to their 5s school as well. And I think uh, now about over 150, 160 organizations, government, schools, manufacturing groups all practice 5S. Hmm. But this is 5s beyond you know when you know, you initially think, oh 5s, like let's you know make sure everything's organized and straight and clean and we have a process for maintaining it. They also bring this concept of joy into the work. And I was really blown away by the dis- we had discussion we had about 5S is there to engage people. Managers just b- bring forward the concept. People, then staff and employees are supposed to use their creativity to make their workplace more organized and more joyful.
0: As, and, as opposed to being stifling as yeah, think, you know, clumsy 5S initiatives, unfortunately... Can can be. It's the opposite of what right. you were just
1: saying. And and so I was I was I was really fascinated by that concept. We went to a organization called Ogura Metal, and I'm in the process of finally writing a blog post about that visit. I'm I'm very behind on many of these gemba visits that I had, and we talked to the COO, who was the uh, this wonderful woman, Mrs. Ogura, who's the daughter of the founder. And she walked us through the plant. And you'd be surprised. You usually think 5S is just, you know, it's going to be, as you said, sort of boring. And it's just like, let's put everything away. But they they took it to another level. Yes, everything was organized. And they had a process. And they had an amazing Kanban system in place. And they actually have what they consider the like Agora production system. So they went mm. beyond, way beyond just 5S. But they brought in concepts of bringing in color, bringing in uh, uh, fun to the workplace. Mm. They... They had different titles for areas like they called um, was the fruit stand was one works area with the workstations were all decorated like fruit stands and the employees did this to make their you know factory work more interesting. The shipping area had a food store theme. So like flat things were called pizza, iron plates were called steaks. And they had big pictures of, you know, pizza and steaks above, and then a, a description as well of what things are, you know, so just a way that the employees felt, um, I just had a little more fun with the environment, mm-hmm. but still going along with the original principles. And, and I, I loved that because yeah. it's just, it wasn't something I've really seen to that degree before.
0: Well, you know, it reminds me of, you know, talking with learning from Pascal Dennis, who worked for Toyota up in Ontario, Canada. And he always emphasizes when he talks about Kaizen spirit, he uses the word playfulness. Mm, that there's yes, an important I love that. place for that. This um, is where at least, you know, my impression of, you know, a couple of short trips to Japan, um, as much as you can ja- generalize, Japanese culture, Japanese people are at the same time, very incredibly serious, but yet then mm. playful or, um, goofy i don't mean that that sounds disrespectful but you know i mean like kind of a, like a fun yeah, there's kind of yes.
1: this dual nature
0: that's fascinating
1: yes um, well <laughs> i find most of japan has these this dual nature across <laughs> every, everything in life so it's, yeah. uh, the, but no that's true and I, I loved how they really harnessed that creativity and and the uh, that playfulness to create joy in a work environment and i said the 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 staff were way more engaged and they actually saw improvements in productivity and uh, also turnaround times because or I guess lead times for delivery because people were so engaged and um, I, I loved it.
0: Yeah, well, and, and a couple of minutes ago you talked about, you know, the idea, you know, the, the label 5S sometimes means more than 5S and, and, and that reminds me, um, just pulled up here, there was a book called clinical 5s for Healthcare. It was written by uh, Akio takihara um, I, I wrote I was asked to write a, a foreword for the book and the reason I did so was that even this book the title says 5s it's written by um, you know a, a Japanese um, uh, man from from Tokyo and and but you know the book really it's about lean. so like in a way I wish they hadn't called yeah. it clinical 5s I mean it was good yes. that as you were saying uh, it's not just about organization but how 5s leads to better quality and better patient safety um so it's funny it's if, if the term lean uh isn't always used uh in in japan it seems like if people are talking about 5s you have to be careful and make sure you don't think "Oh, okay yeah they're just putting tape around everything but it seems like sometimes right. that's actually the description they'll use if it's not toyota something or other they'll use the term 5s
1: right and that again, we come with our own cultural and language assumptions about what things mean. And I, I found, I found that to be true in these the organizations. Five S was the anchor point for what we consider lean thinking with this additional spirit of joy. Yeah.
0: We're also going to you know, have a chance to talk here before we wrap up, um, you know, in terms of, um, relationships and networking, um, the opportunity, you had to uh, to, to develop uh, a relationship with a mentor who uh, also, uh, back in the day and probably still today, was a mentor to John Shook. If you can kind of tell the listeners um, that that story and about that opportunity that you've that you've had.
1: Absolutely, one of the just the greatest joys and felt like a bit like serendipity was to make the acquaintance and now friendship with Mr. Asa Yoshino. We had just found out that we were moving to Japan. It was, I guess, a year and a half ago, two and a half years ago, and I was at the Lean Coaching Summit. And Mr. Yoshino, who was John Shook's first manager in Toyota City when, when John joined uh, Toyota as the first uh, foreign employee in Japan, he was at the, at the conference that I mentioned that I was going to Japan. He gave me his business card and said, look me up when you arrive. And I thought to myself, absolutely, I'm going to be doing that. And he offered to you know take me to Toyota City and show me around. And we it was in April, a year ago, year and a half ago that I went for the first time. But that was the first of maybe eight or nine visits that wow. Mr. Yosh had with Mr. Yush, you know, spending the whole day together, going out and doing a variety of things. Um, and then and he's actually come out to California and visited me. And he's going to come out again, um, tagging on for he's coming out for the Lean uh, Summit in. In March, so he's going to come visit again.
0: Is the, the and, Lean Enterprise Institute? Yes, Summit. yes, yeah.
1: yes. So it was just spending time with this forty-year Toyota veteran and leader was. I just learned so much in talking with him, and you know, a great honor to me is that he says he learned so much by talking with me too. Mm-hmm. So that in uh, just mm-hmm. the exchange and dialogue that we have, so you know, that's a real honor and honor for me. And we have. Fun together, and we've gone out to some GEMBA sites together. Not just Toyota. I invited him to go to Toyota Memorial Hospital with me, and he served as my interpreter. And it was very interesting for him to go to a healthcare organization, having been in manufacturing. Uh, and she just has l- words of wisdom, and which I've written about extensively. I have my, always have my notepad open with me, and I'm just like writing things down. You know, obviously speaks fluent English, uh, having. He spent about 11 years of his career in the U.S.
0: What what were some of the things he saw or asked about or pointed out there at the hospital being an outsider to, to that environment?
1: You know, he was, he asked more questions and was, you know, trying to be, he was just interested in having, learning how the Toyota way and the Toyota production System principles were being translated. He was particularly also interested in how they were deploying Hoshin Kanri because that was a big emphasis of his time and a lot of what he lectures on now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the bad things is they got so excited about talking about Hoshin Kanri that they he he stopped translating and they had a big conversation <laughs> just in Japanese for like a half an hour. And, <laughs> Well, well, and then I got like the two-minute summary, so yeah. um, there's a lot of enthusiasm, and uh, what's nice is he's now made a uh, collegial relationship with with our the colleague who I was introduced to at Toyota Memorial, and they've spent some time together and for follow-up, and another blog post I need to still write is, you know, we met to, with Mr. Um, Samia again, and he talked more about the Einlon Ka- Kaizen system, the electronic Kaizen system he developed and I know you have that much interest in that, Mark, so I will, mm-hmm. I, I will let you, <laughs> you know when I finally get around to writing about that.
0: Yeah, well, and, uh, and I encourage you – know, I, I always read Katie's blog post. I encourage people to go um, check out uh, the blog. And, and, you know, you've written about uh, 5S City, and I'll link to some of these posts. But yeah. um, kbjanderson.com, um, yes. really uh, – I mean, you mentioned earlier in the podcast – you went did, was it a year or two years ago when did you start blogging? You
1: I started blogging sh- well I started writing shortly the day we moved there but I didn't have a blogging platform so I started posting around you know um maybe 22 months ago so it's mm-hmm. it's been a while now and yeah and I'm but... enjoying still writing even though I'm not living in Japan.
0: Yeah well you you've done a great job with the blog and and I encourage everyone if you haven't already uh, to go and and check that out. I look forward to these uh, these these additional posts about uh, Mr. Yoshino and um, the other reflections and and the stuff that's in your backlog <laughs> to write Yes
1: out. thank you. we're not, all
0: guilty of that right
1: yes well I, I had had to make a decision point in the last sort of three months that we were living in Japan did I not have experiences mm-hmm. so that I could stay home and write about my previous experiences or go out and have the experiences and write about them when I had a chance later. So I chose the, the latter, but I, I now have a backlog, but it, it'll get there. I also wanted to offer something special for your readers, which was a chance to, and we talked about this before, to enter a giveaway for a Daruma as well as one of a, a copy of Mark's latest book, um, Mean Healthcare. And a Daruma is a Japanese figure shaped as a little head, and it has two blank eyes, and you fill in one of the eyes when you set a goal or an intention, and then when you achieve your goal, you fill in the other eye. And they're all over Japan, and I brought hundreds back with me, and I have a few of the medium-sized ones that I would like to give away um, as, uh, to a lucky winner of, your, of the podcast listener. So you can go to my, you can all all you can go to my website and there'll be a page there which Mark will link to.
0: Yeah, and you said that was going to be kbjanderson.com slash mark.
1: Yes. yes. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. The uh, the Jeruma doll um, reminds me. I'm going to just point people not not just to your website and thank you for doing um, that that giveaway. Uh, six years ago, um, podcast episode 103. Uh, I talked with uh, Matthew May. He had a book out at the time called The Shibumi Strategy. Mm. And the cover of the book has a uh, Daruma. Oh. And uh, that, that's a big part of the story, this idea of um, you know setting a goal. Um, you, f- you fill in that first eye. And how do you work your way toward accomplishing that goal? A, a good way to start 2017,
1: I guess. Yes, right? for sure. You know, I'm a big fan of Matt Mays. And I did not know about that. Books. I'm gonna have with the cover, so I'm gonna have oh. to look that. Up. Yes. Oh, and also Shri-Sami forgot story. to forgot to mention on that same page that you can get a, a copy of or a one pager. I pulled out some of my top ten lessons from Mr. Yoshino about lean thinking and practice and leadership. So you can um, you can get that there too.
0: Yeah. So everybody who goes to that web page will get that download, and they'll have an opportunity to win. Um, the Jeruma and a copy of, of lean hospitals and, and due to shipping costs, just to remind folks that that'd be limited to uh, U.S. listeners. I know we have a lot of global listeners, but um, you can go to the website and read Katie's blog and and get the download. That's not limited by, by physical space and shipping.
1: Yes. Um, Great. What better way to bring, bring in the new year, Uh, a copy of Mark's book and a, a way to set your own goals and intentions for the new year. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for uh, that offer, Katie, and thank you for uh, coming back on the podcast. It's always great talking to you, and, and thank you for sharing uh, some of your reflections and stories and insights here with us today.
1: Thanks, Mark. You've been a real supporter and, of me and this my my blogging, and I appreciate all your comments and feedback and look forward to hearing from your reader, or listeners as well. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, Mark. Take care.